Have you ever heard of anyone going to the airport and not knowing their destination? Me either. So why are so many manufacturers not taking post-processing into account when creating application production methods? This is a major hurdle and opportunity that should be tackled quickly. Hi, I'm Dylan Drake, the Advanced Manufacturing Product Manager for Philips Federal and your host for the TechChef Podcast. Today we'll be talking with Steve Elvidi Jr. and Jim Jennings. Steve Jr. is the Vice President of Bel Air Finishing and leads the pack in complex surface finishing projects. Jim is the senior technical sales consultant who brings a wealth of knowledge educating the masses and the importance of thinking with the end in mind. Let's pull back the veil of post-processing and journey into the technical opportunities with the Bel Air team. Let's jump on in. Steve, Jim, welcome to the TechShift Podcast. Dylan, how are you? Glad to be doing, here. Doing well, doing well. Happy to have you guys on. Uh, hopefully today we can start breaking down some of the barriers and understand some of the gates um, revolving around surface finishing and post-processing. And uh, the last time we had a, a conversation about this, it really just blew me away of how much I didn't know, which isn't too surprising, uh, but <laughs> it's something that uh, I didn't know it was so like intensive and and in depth as as much as it actually is, and what we can actually uh, basically accomplish with uh, the dip, different types of surface finishing and different types of processes uh, you and your team can achieve. So really happy and really uh, um, excited to kind of break this down and start pulling back the veil on this. Yeah, it's good good to be here. We're we're glad you invited us, and uh, we're we're looking forward to it too. Should be a should be a good time. Wonderful. So maybe before we kind of dive into all the, the technical know-how, could you give a brief overview of, you know, where Bel Air started and kind of you know, what, what your your objectives are? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, Bel Air Finishing started in, uh, in the 60s as a tool and die shop, actually by my grandfather, Ralph Alviti. He was uh, an amazing human. As much as he was brilliant, he was uh, even more ambitious and obsessed kind of with, uh, with the process of, of accomplishing things, uh, tasks, different uh, problems um, in manufacturing. And uh, well, I'm gonna give you the history. So as a teenager, he actually was pulled to uh, Langley Field, one of your clients actually, um, mm -hmm. to do aeronautical research and development. Uh, just uh, 16 years of, of age, his brothers drove him down there, dropped him off, and they were like, see ya, see you later, man. You're, you're, <laughs> you're down here. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, so, so that's, that's, uh, that's where we started. You know, fast forward 10 years, he came out of the Navy. He set up shop, uh, manufacturing tools, uh, jewelry, equipment for the production of, of tools and jewelry, and, uh, and everything between up here in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, my father joined him uh, not too far after that, um, and they started acquiring different companies, uh, SD Pills, Clementine, Associated Chemical, um, you know, even uh, Tumbling Media Manufacturer uh, that, that now is a second facility down the road from our headquarters here. Um, and basically everything they touched turned to gold, literally, uh, at our sister facility. They, they actually are, uh, are plating gold on different products in Attleboro, Massachusetts. Um, so, you know, from those two, you know, they worked seven days a week, um, but that's only because there was an eight. 
Um, but it, was <laughs> <laughs> it was the obsession of accomplishing and, and making things better. Um, and that, that's the fuel and energy of Bel Air finishing today. You know, our clients feed off that as we work through their deburring, super polishing, blasting projects, whatever it is, they see the passion for improving uh, their current production lines with our equipment and solutions. Um, and, you know, as, uh, as part of that, you know, in the 80s, as part of that passion, uh, we started to manufacture the pieces of equipment specifically for those processes um, and distributing them worldwide um, for every industry, aerospace, firearms, automotive, electronics, um, you name it, any component that's manufactured, it needs our expertise. I mean, it truly does. Um, and the horizontal markets within those are, uh, you know, uh, additive manufacturing. Um, it's exploded in the world. You know, mm -hmm. there's 20 different printing technologies out there, as you know. Uh, you know, and, and we've been uh, we've been able to set up some kits and packages, ideally for each each uh, post processing need uh, from those printing technologies. Um, and more recently, we set up our new facility in the early 2000s, probably around the start of additive really gaining speed um, with, uh, with our state-of-the-art lab, um, which you've, you've visited here at, uh, in North Kingstown, Rhode Island. And that's the heart and soul of Bel Air Finishing. Uh, that's where we share our passion for mass finishing with our clients, you know, pumping parts out daily, solutions for new products, old products looking for new solutions. Uh, everything between. We even do some contract finishing within that world. Um, so that's that's kind of where we came from and and uh, and where we are now. You know, as, as industry leading experts of uh, of innovative surface finishing solutions. Wow, that that's that's a heck of a mouthful. So as, <laughs> as many many years leading up until this very moment, it seems like there's quite a few you know, steps and, and side lateral steps whenever it came from, you know, traditional manufacturing and now looking at additive manufacturing. And honestly, to me, that that's amazing that you're able to then see this as a point of need and be able to then create other processes around that. Uh, whenever you were looking at that kind of, you know, just a side question here, whenever additive manufacturing started really going to market, what was Bel Air's or, or your team's thoughts towards this I'll, I'll let Jim take this yeah. one He's... I um I started with the company in 2013 and at that point in time we saw a lot of pieces coming in from our traditional customers that we were serving for years and they bought small printers and they were sending us chess pieces and all these things they were trying to learn how to use the equipment and as time went on you know, we started to attend all the different uh, AMUD conferences and rapid conferences. And this, the, the additive has been growing leaps and bounds every year. And we're, we're delighted to be a part of it. Yeah, and it, it like you said, uh, our current clients were coming to us. You know, it was a new mm -hmm. thing for them. And it just, uh, it made sense that they leaned on their finishing experts for experts in post-processing, which essentially is, the mass finishing of of uh, additively manufactured parts. Um, it's probably crazy too. Like when the the years came, it started off just as you said, Jim. Uh, the chess pieces, and then it just seemed like overnight it went from chess pieces to heat sinks, 
and hold manifolds <laughs> just try to <laughs> it escalated quickly yeah that's for sure and uh and that's the beauty of it though the beauties in the in the advancement and the struggle on on how to on our end on how to do the post-processing and the surface finishing of these uh these complex parts and that's uh that's one of the advantages of of why bel air right you know mm -hmm. Yeah, so just always being basically agile uh, and just really flexible to your customers. So what, I guess, on that same topic, how do you go about finding a process for post-processing for specific applications, especially when it comes to additive or some advanced manufacturing application? Well, many times, you know, people ask me, you know, why Bel Air? And really, it's the expertise and the experience. And mm -hmm. when, the, when the additive parts started to come in, we've been serving the traditional market for decades. And we used many of the same uh, machines that had to be tweaked for the additive side. But we, we have uh, 26 machines in our lab, 16 different technologies, and decades of experience and we can come up with a process solution in our lab that's going to meet the customer's needs exactly what their needs are and the thing about our organization is you know we solve a problem today with additive it's only your imagination that could get in your way so we actually had to change our business model somewhat customers would send us traditional parts and we would run them and provide a, a solution for them with additive, we actually put a, a segment on our website that they can go on there and answer some questions and drop in a photo or, or a print and we can help them because we would wear out FedEx and UPS going back and forth every single day with the same <laughs> around about 400 pieces of 400 different projects. So it's... Um, you know, why Bel Air is because you're going to partner with us and, and utilize our expertise and experience in our in amazing lab. Yeah, and in that lab, we stay very nimble. You know, we've got all of these, you know, 16, 20, whatever technologies of, of solutions. And then we're able to keep evolving and morphing these solutions. So um, when, when a, new, a new task or a new problem comes in front of us, you know, we can think outside the box, you know, we can say, hey, we've got this one technology, we think it can work and may we may have to tweak it a little bit, you know, some fixturing, maybe uh, flow a, a slurry or a media a different way. Like um, the Fiat Chrysler project. Right, where we, we specifically designed a, a brand new state of the art piece of equipment that wasn't on the market for the right. client. And I can't can't go into too much details about it. but. Um, it, it solved their problem and it was an old technology, but a new spin on it. Um, right. And that's, that's really where, uh, where we strive um, and succeed. How much customization versus kind of like what I would say, quote unquote, standard post-processing methods uh, does your team really a part of? So I would say the what we try to offer in the additive world you're, the idea of additive is being able to be versatile with your mm -hmm. manufacturing right so we try to offer the most versatile solution up front to the end user 
to be able to achieve uh, a wide array of finish surface finishing uh, capability and results. So that way they can kind of learn, educate themselves, get that whole range in-house. And then for your future, if they do come with a, a uh, production ready product that they're going to be making readily, then we can kind of make a spin off of those for them for that specific application. Or maybe we take them in house like uh, one of our clients blue origin. Uh, we're doing uh, contract finishing for them on a very high profile piece that's additively manufactured and we've customized a specific process for them and it's you know it's it's repeatable over mm -hmm. and over on the same piece so you know we're doing the contract finishing now for them on that product in the anticipation that they would take the whole processing cell in-house eventually mm -hmm. and just recently we completed a project with parker hannafin on uh on a production uh an additive production uh, segment for them on certain parts and um we're putting together a system from a to Z to handle that production. So they'd be a water jet to blast the parts. They're going into uh, centrifugal disc finishers to get the surface finish to where exactly it needs to be. Uh, special uh, ultra finishing and rinsing uh, tanks that are going to go in and dryers and so forth. So it's a complete system, uh, as I mentioned, from A to Z. Right. And that, that uh, in every single partnership that we have we're doing a little contracting we're doing a little consulting mm -hmm. but mostly we're trying to get the end user the equipment production equipment in-house so they're they're ready and capable to use it and to to take advantage of what we offer them sounds really awesome i think maybe let's also break this down a little bit more um Whenever I first started in basically any type of hand finishing and on, on my end, before you and I and your team ever had any conversation, I saw finishing as kind of a necessary evil. And I'm sure a lot of your customers at some point kind of felt the same way until you started breaking things down to them as well. Um, what are some challenges that the right surface finish or the right process can mitigate or alleviate for for customers that are in the field, especially for applications that are, you know, high criticality, or as far as lead time, what are some some specific challenges you've seen that uh, you and your team have been able to really either mitigate, eliminate, or or assist in the progression of a solution? We have a large service provider uh, customer that uh, came to us, and they had an opportunity to compete in the uh, injection molding world. And they could make the parts quickly. They couldn't process them to meet the surface finish of the injected molding part. And we showed them how to do that. And so they found a niche where less than 10,000 pieces, they can, get, they can get that part into the customer's hands quicker without buying the mold and without being a, a victim of long lead times uh, from a, another outside uh, producer. Mm -hmm. So it's worked out very well for us. And we're uh, talking to other customers about the same type of uh, process because there's a big niche market out there to get product to the market quickly. Mm -hmm. 
So I've got a for instance as well. Uh, on the traditional side, I worked with uh, on a project with an automotive uh, client on some TI valves. All right. And they grind these things down to a eight micro inch RA. And for those of you who don't know what that is, that's a pretty darn good um, measurement for a surface finish. Um, you know, industry standard is probably double that coming off a of machining op. Um, so they needed to bring these down to a sub two RA for optimum performance. And that's everything in the automotive world, right, is, is performance. Um, they're trying, this, this specifically is a manufacturer for uh, high-end racing engines. So you know, performance is literally their blood, their lifeblood, you know, mm -hmm. their livelihood. And they were currently doing this and they were kind of straddling the line of what was, you know, on the spec. And they were doing this super manual process. They were using a piece of finishing equipment, but they were loading in uh, pieces, you know, maybe 15 pieces at a time, loading in the media, you know, running it for an hour, two hours, then taking it all out and having to do that over and over again. You know, so the per piece time ended up being like, you know, 25 minutes per piece. But we used one of our uh, technologies um, outside of the box. Again, we had a, a standard drag finishing technology and we automated this process. So they were able to move away from all the material handling and, and labor that it, it took to load and unload a part. And they brought their per part time down to uh, about four minutes per part and they improved the surface finish by you know 0.5 to 0.7 of an ra value all within this one solution um, so their their roi was unbelievable they increased their throughput and they improved the uh the actual product in the end all in one one little uh r d project and I say a little, but that was uh, that was a, a nice, hefty project. That's amazing. Well, congratulations yeah. on that. I, that's let's see. These are the th types of things that aren't being talked about in industry or taken, I guess, seriously as far as post processing. And it, it just blows my mind that they, these aren't normal topics to understand. Of like, everyone thinks that this is just something that takes you know place at the end, but realistically, this needs to be. We need to be thinking with the end of mind here and take all this to consideration, all of this within the pricing, all of this within the understanding of the challenges or the potential solutions or what we originally thought were necessary evils with either traditional or additive manufacturing now ends up becoming something a little bit more simplistic for everybody. Right, right. And there's there's a lot of different uh uh, parameters I'll say and mm -hmm. that go into deciding what's what your post-processing or finishing equipment is right you mm -hmm. need to understand uh, you know the actual product specifications uh, what what the parts coming into this process as right you need to understand the product volume you know, need to understand uh, whoever the manufacturer or client or partner is how they operate, how they like to do things. You know, there's there's different uh, workflows that are involved and you need to understand uh, their staff's capability. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's, as much as it pains me to say this, it's somewhat of an algorithm, 
right? It's a mass finishing algorithm with all these different parameters. And we are the masters and the experts that help educate the end user to get them to the right equipment and the right manufacturing solution for surface enhancement, right? And all of those things dictate, you know, all those questions we ask within those parameters dictate what the end, uh, end game will be. And I think that uh, when we came out with the keychain uh, program, where you had a raw part right out of the printer, then you had a part that was finished with a, a water jet and various levels of finishing. Yeah. That was a huge issue in terms of communicating with our customers because many customers don't take post-processing into consideration in the design phase of the parts. So they, they design the part and then it, and then it comes out of the printer and they go, oh my gosh, this is not, this is not anywhere near what we need. Mm -hmm. By the time we get done doing the post-processing, they get a chance to see the impact of what post-processing can do to a part. It improves the surface finish and it also can change the geometry a little bit. So they may have to add more material to that part in the design phase or add some rails or mask or something like that to protect certain areas. So it's a great communications tool. Mm -hmm. okay. We want to make your product better at the end of the day, like you do, mm -hmm. and more consistent, right? And more profitable for yourself. So, mm -hmm. you know, I've got a, a client in the medical industry, all right, they're, uh, they make uh, aligners, okay, they manufacture aligners for dental, and they're using a, you know, a polyjet technology type printer, and they were, for their post-processing operation, they were taking the racks of uh, the build box of these of these arches that are 3D printed, uh, a series of molds basically um, for one mouth. So one build box would be one person's mouth from uh, what my teeth looked like five years ago to what they look like now. And there's a series of molds for that. And they would take that entire box and they'd soak it, manually take it into a soaking box and soak it for, uh, you know, 30 minutes and they'd let it sit there on a counter wasting space and time. And then they'd take that box and they'd move it to uh, a spray booth where they were using a IPA spray and it was nasty and they were spraying it. And the two guys that did it hated it. Um, so they, they were working against production um, and they sprayed each piece for, I don't know, two to three minutes. And then it would go back into a soak and then onto a, a drying area. Okay, so we see that going on and we're like, boy, oh boy, can we help you. So we're taking, now we're taking each one of those bat batches right out of the build box. We're skipping that 30 minute soak of dead time and dead real estate and put them right into our high energy centrifugal disc finisher with a non-abrasive media. And in 20 minutes, less time than they were sitting there soaking, we were able to completely remove that post polyjet material and then it was just an operator interaction of uh of maybe 60 seconds of separation and then they were ready to go to the drying phase and and on to production they cut out the ipa they cut out the discontent of their operators they cut down the number of operators they improved the consistency uh just just miles and miles of of return on their investment 
Um, and that, and then, like I said, we partner with our, our clients, right? So our job didn't stop there. Uh, th these parts were then used to mold the aligners on, right? And so when those molded aligners are created, they've got kind of a sharp edge uh, mm. on, on those clear connect pieces that you put in your mouth that, you know, straighten your, uh, your, your grill, as the kids call them <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> um, well, those can't be sharp. Otherwise, you're going to be cutting into your gums, right? Right. They had, I walked into a room uh, after installation of the system, I walk into a room and they've got 30 men and women in there hand filing and trimming these these trays and trying to keep track of them mouth for mouth and i'm like guys what are we doing here what are we doing and so we uh, we developed a secondary process for that part of their manufacturing uh procedure and so now instead of uh, 30 people doing that they're actually putting these uh same batches that were that are being molded on those molds that we we set up with the disc finisher they're now doing the aligners in another disc finisher in another department and rounding those edges and and giving them a little extra polish, to be honest, so they look mm -hmm. better. For the consumer. So we're improving their product we're cutting down on their labor uh, we're improving the consistency and we're actually making the end product a little bit prettier, which, uh, you know, beauty is always in the eye of the beholder and that's hard to achieve sometimes because you never know <laughs> what you're dealing with but. Uh, but. Yeah, we uh, we were successful there, and that's that, that's that's Bel Air one hundred and one right there. That's that's dark. So, and that's that's crazy to think that they had thirty people, and that was that was their normal. That was something that they thought of. This is this is as good as it gets, and you were right. able to go in and just see this. They guys, like we we could we could streamline this and make this so much more simplistic, and I think that that really opens up the the idea of there's not a lot of education as it pertains to post-processing or the equipment or the the benefit of the utilization of the uh, the right equipment because there's a lot of equipment out there but there's a lot of equipment that maybe doesn't make sense per that application so how that that being that being said how big of a necessity do you and your team feel education is around surface finishing and post-processing and how do we get it out to the public? It is crucial. Um, it's the last thing anyone in manufacturing thinks about, like you said, um, you know, it's the last step for a manufactured product uh, to be consumer or assembly ready as a component. Um, you know, whether, whether it's uh, deburring that's needed, polishing, blasting, post-processing, any type of surface prep, you know, before plating, whatever. Our world of mass finishing is manufacturing's dirty little secret. And it's our job as experts in the industry, it's our duty to expose this and educate these production and design personnel on what is available to them. Because like I just said in that last, that last tidbit, they were, I was just taking a tour of the shop. They didn't know that it was a problem to them. Mm -hmm. And they're using all this real estate, all this personnel, and I had to point it out and uh, the more feet on the ground, the better, but mm -hmm. I think it really has to come from, uh, from the schools, honestly, you know, especially as these young engineers, you know, my college experience yielded nothing about post-processing or, or surface finishing. I was doing some 3d printing, but you know what? I was lucky, you know, like Bane said from Batman, 
you know, I was born in it. You merely adopted it. <laughs> you know, but seriously, you know, your facility out in Rock Island, that's a perfect example on how we, we got to put out these master classes mm-hmm. uh, on mass finishing to, to expose what is potentially there. Right, Jim? Absolutely. It's, um, I, I think we're looking at doing uh, another one coming up as soon as possible, possibly in October. Uh, it's absolutely critical that we get that done. We, we had a, uh, the Additive uh, Manufacturing Competency Center in Louisville at the University of Louisville was successful until COVID hit. And um, we had equipment down there, and we put we put classes on, and uh, it was very very uh, well received. A lot of people came in. Eye opening. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they just they didn't know what they didn't know. You know, they had no clue that this could be done, and could be done in an automated fashion. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing. Anybody who's listening here today. Uh, you know, you, Dylan, if you've got contacts in these education facilities, these centers of excellence, you know, let us know, reach out to us. We'll get different pieces of equipment in there. We'll come to your facility. We'll put on a seminar for a day, a couple hours, whatever you want. You can come visit our lab. We'll set up a day here. But the bottom line is, is we need to network and get the word out um, to be able to, to expose people to, to what's possible. Right. That's and that's everything in in any mm-hmm. industry. Right. Absolutely. Normal is not normal. Right. Is what right. I, is what I'm hearing. It's not yeah. black or white. It, it, we should always uh, question the status quo, and, and see if we can do better. Whether that be in you know the development of design and or even at the very end post processing, how could we even adopt to uh, adopt new technologies and your processes to increase um, I guess industry performance, increase output of said part, you know, or, or any other challenges that the customer's currently seeing. I think this is, these are great points. And I think these are, uh, this also kind of leads into what's crucial for manufacturers within commercial or government entities to do to mitigate future challenges as, as it pertains to post-processing or what that post-processing could mitigate. What are your thoughts? You know, one of the things that we have been working with uh, many of the OEM printers to, to introduce post-processing to their potential customers, and some do and many don't, and it's something that is, I think is, is critical because somebody goes to their boss or bank or board and says, I need X dollars for uh, this, post, this uh, additive manufacturing uh, department. And they come back after seven or eight months after they get the printer in and get some training and they get to get to know and understand it and they start making the parts and the parts are not functional. I have to go back to the board, boss or banker and try to get more money. That does, that's not a good luck. Right. So I think the OEMs should be more aggressive in this area. Mm-hmm. As, we, as we spoke of uh, various colleges and different vocational uh, learning centers for us to, you know, uh, put on the seminars as best we can. Yeah, and and our our goal and our um, mantra really, truly is as the experts of mass finishing, is to make a more competitive, high performing product 
for the end user at the best price for the end user, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, that's what we're here to do. And, uh, you know, if, if we're not doing that, you know, we're not successful, you're not successful. And, you know, that's, we want to be successful together with right. our partners. Well, I, that I think perfectly said there, I think there's a lot of unknowns in the world. And one of these things that just keeps blowing my mind is that post-processing has been here for a very, very long time. And for some reason, it's been slept on for a long time as well. And I love that you and your team are coming along um, beside Phillips and the rest of uh, a few other teams and partners and just really locking arms to, to kind of branch this out and to kind of educate everyone in this field. Because there's so many solutions, just as you said, walking into a, a facility and just kind of ripping your hair out. It's like, what are we doing? There's so many better ways, so, so many other processes that we could be putting in place and systems and technologies that could really just be streamlining a lot of these things. And you don't know what you don't know. And it all starts with that conversation. It all starts with asking why. And I think it's a very important yet um, respectable thing to do is to question what you're seeing and what you're up against to kind of find that solution to start down that road. And I think that, that that's amazing that you and your team are doing that. I, I agree. And I, I, I'm very happy that, uh, that we're working with you guys at Phillips because it's something that you and your team does very well with its, its, uh, its partners and clientele. Um, and it's been honestly a, a great pleasure to be a part of that. And it's refreshing to see uh, other people asking questions. Well, let's find some more solutions and let's start tackling even harder challenges in the future, guys. It was wonderful having you on. And uh, Steve, Jim, looking forward to many more conversations in the future. Dylan, my man, I appreciate it. Thank you very right. much. Take care. All right. Take care, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And if you would like to learn more about Bel Air and what they're doing to radically change the finishing industry, or like to utilize their expertise, check out their website at belairfinishing.com. That's B-E-L-A-I-R-F-I-N-I-S-H.com. I'm your host, Dylan Drake, and thanks for listening to the Tech Shift Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Phillips Federal, the leader in the federal marketplace.